you have your Bibles, open up to Isaiah chapter 9. Isaiah chapter 9, we're going to be in the first seven verses of that great and beautiful chapter, Isaiah chapter 9. And uh, I hope you will open a Bible. If you don't have your own copy, that's okay. Just take the Pew Bible there in front of you. Open up to page 792 in the Pew Bible, 792 in the Pew Bible. As you're opening up there, I just want to say a brief word uh, to our church. Brothers and sisters, we've, in the last five or six years, seven years here, we've made some hard decisions as a church. We uh, did some renovations in our facilities, and we brought on staff, and we did some things that weren't always clear. But uh, haven't things been more clear today as we see all these children in preschool and uh, in our elementary choirs, as we gather here together and, and see the Lord's faithfulness right here on the stage, uh, I want to just say, as a pastor, uh, how much your faith has meant to me. It's been one of the great honors of my life to see your faith on display in so many ways. And so I thank God. I thank God for First Baptist Church and I thank you for the privilege of getting to be your pastor. And I'm anxious. I love the opportunity to spend Christmas with you uh, this year. We, we like a family Christmas here at First Baptist. And so we want to hear from the family. So next Sunday, uh, Larry Furman will be preaching. And so where is he? Don't make me regret it, Larry. And, uh, and uh, uh, <laughs> no, of course, I'm kidding. I love to hear Larry preach. He'll be preaching for us next Sunday. And then... Uh, I think he, are, are you going to have a little, a stool, Larry? Everybody's going to think it's Charles Stanley here preaching next week, but it'll be, it, everybody will be confused, but it'll be Larry Furman. We're excited to hear Larry preach. And the Sunday after that, uh, the third Sunday in Advent, Chris Taunton, our children's, our uh, student ministry director, will be preaching for us. We look forward to that, and I'll be back in the pulpit on the 23rd. We'll be here. We'll be celebrating with you. I just love the opportunity to get more men in the pulpit to preach so we can hear God's word from other voices besides mine. And all God's people said amen. And so, if you have your Bibles open, would you go ahead and stand with me out of reverence for the reading of the words of our God. Isaiah writes under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit in such a way that as the words on this page are being read, God himself is speaking to you. Beginning in verse 1. But there will be no gloom for her who was in anguish. In the former time, he brought into contempt the land of Zebulun and the land of Naphtali. But in the latter time, he has made glorious the way of the sea, the land beyond the Jordan, Galilee of the nations or the Gentiles. The people, verse 2, who walked in darkness have seen a great light. And those who dwelt in a land of deep darkness on them has light shone. You have multiplied the nation. You have increased its joy. They rejoice before you as with joy at the harvest, as they are glad when they divide the spoil. For the yoke of his burden and the staff for his shoulder, the rod of his oppressor, you have broken as on the day of Midian. For every boot of the tramping warrior in battle tumult and every garment rolled in blood will be burnt. As fuel for the fire. For to us a child is born. To us a son is given. And the government shall be upon his shoulder. And his name 
shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. And of the increase of His government and of peace there will be no end. And on the throne of David and over His kingdom, to establish it and to uphold it with justiceness and with righteousness from this time forth and forevermore. The zeal of the Lord of hosts will do this. Let's pray together. Oh God, would you open our hearts and minds to receive your word, Lord. And God, we pray that we would be changed by it. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. There are certain situations that you find yourself in in life that compound joy for some people. But in so many ways, limit it seems, truncate, stifle, stifles the joy of others. In fact, there are some situations where some people might find themselves with maximum joy and other people maximum misery. For example, just yesterday, I was with my family at Chuck E. Cheese. A situation, a place, if you will, a kingdom ruled by a rat, where for some joy is maximized and for others misery is maximized. Not to be trite, but the reality is that for so many of us, Christmas can do that. It's a time that's designed for joy. It's a time that's designed for merriment. I, I, I'm, I'm like Spurgeon. I wish, it happened 50, I wish it happened every month of the year. I love it that people are able uh, to celebrate and to feast and have joy. I like it when people are happy. But I've been a pastor now long enough, and I know enough of the Lord's people to know that Christmas isn't always easy. Christmas is not always joyful. And yet we sing the hymn, we'll sing it at the end of the service today, Joy to the world, the Lord is come, let earth receive her King. This morning I, I want to talk to you about what sort of joy it is we ought to have at Christmas. And I, I hope and pray, I, I really hope and pray that this text here in Isaiah chapter 9, I really hope that for some of you in more difficult situations that perhaps... This can give you a road map, a vision for joy in this holiday, even when it doesn't come easily. I hope that we can define joy and see joy and long for joy in such a way that it speaks to the heart of every man, woman, and child. You know, we, we work so hard with our children to try to get them to have the right kind of joy at Christmas, right? It's not just that we want them to be happy and have a good Christmas. We want that. We want that. We enjoy that. But at the same time, we, we want to make sure, right, that they're focusing on Jesus. Well, the same thing is true, I think, for people who are having a hard time at Christmas time. Let's focus on having the right kind of joy, the kind of joy that transcends whatever circumstances we might find ourselves in. And so what, is, what sort of joy is God calling us to this season? Is it what a prosperity preacher might say, joy in your destiny? Is it is it what a prosperity, health, wealth, and prosperity preacher might say? Joy in having 
enough? Is it what our culture might say, just a generic joy in family and friends? No, I want to focus this morning on what sort of joy it is we ought to have. And I'm going to go ahead and, 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 and let you know that the bottom line is, I hope we'll all find joy in Christ. Joy in Christ. So I want, to, I want you to see three kinds of joy that are only possible because of what Jesus has done for us. Three kinds of Christ-centered joy this Christmas. Here's the first point this morning. I want you to see the joy of light. I want you to see the joy of light. Notice what the Bible says. But there will be no gloom for her who was in anguish. In the former time, he brought into contempt the land of Zebulun and the land of Naphtali. But in the latter time, he has made glorious the way of the sea, the land beyond the Jordan, Galilee of the nations. There will be no gloom, the Bible says, for her who was in anguish. No, no gloom for her who was in anguish. Now you need to understand that here you've got Isaiah prophesying about some things that are not exactly messianic leading up to chapter 9. There, there's some positive things early in the book of Isaiah. There's also some negative things uh, going on in the book of Isaiah. And here Isaiah is choosing by the, by the power of the Holy Spirit a very specific word. It's a word I love in the Old Testament. Are you ready for it? It's the word gloom. Gloom. We don't use the word gloom a lot anymore. When we do, it's a day like yesterday. It's gloomy. It's not even cold. It's December. It's supposed to be cold. It's kind of hot and raining. And I'm at Chuck E. Cheese. You know, it's just kind of one of those gloomy days, right? It's a gloomy, a gloomy day. But you got to understand, biblically, this word gloom has more meaning to it than the way we typically used it. In fact, the, the place where we see the word gloom used a lot is in the, in the book of Exodus as, as Moses is describing what's happening at Mount Sinai, the, the giving of the law, that the mountain was covered in gloom and darkness. It's this sort of overbearing, overwhelming dread. It's, it's a picture, gloom is, is a, is a picture of being under the wrath of God. It's a sign of God's displeasure with sin. And the Mount Sinai was such at the time that God revealed himself to Moses that his wrath was so, so real on the mountain, so palpable on the mountain that if so much as a goat wandered over and transgressed the boundary which God had set, it would have to be struck dead. And if one of the people went there, God would strike them dead himself as this gloom covered the mountain. But what does the Bible say? It says there will be no gloom for her who was in anguish. In the former time, he brought into contempt the land of Zebulun and the land of Naphtali. But in the latter time, he has made glorious the way of the sea, the land beyond the Jordan, Galilee of the nations. Not only is God lifting the gloom from the mountain, not only is he taking his people from Sinai to Zion, the, the mountain bought with the blood of Christ, not only is he alleviating them of the gloom, but he's doing it in very strange circumstances. He's taking a region that was not a well-known region. These are not the blue bloods that are coming from here. And he's making that way glorious. The people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. And those who dwelt in a land of deep darkness, on them has light shone. 
And brothers and sisters, we're, we're flirting with the end of the Gospel of John. But I know you can remember back to January when we talked about John chapter 1, when John tells us that Jesus Christ is the life, and the life is the light of man. We know who that light is. It's our Lord Jesus Christ. And so this Christmas, two things I want you to know about the joy of light and seeing the joy of light. One, we see the light of Christ in the gloom of God's wrath. We look around us and know that God is not pleased with the way things are. And yet, at that first Christmas, what did the angels say? Glory to God and peace and goodwill toward men with whom He is pleased. That is, the light has shone in the darkness of wrath. Brothers and sisters, this morning, if you are struggling with guilt, if you are struggling with the gloom of guilt on your heart, if you are constantly trying to follow a set of rules, and some of you may be new to this, and some of you may have been trying to set, follow rules to earn God's favor for a long time because you've got that gloom of guilt in your heart and you want God just to be happy, Lord. I, I just want joy. Brothers and sisters, you cannot muster enough energy to penetrate the darkness with any sort of man-made light, the darkness, the gloom of guilt in your life. You need a light from the outside. You need a light from beyond. You need the light of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. It's been revealed to us in the gospel. Jesus can shine light on your guilt. Now, you don't want him to right now. I can tell you this right now. I'm, I'm a sinner too, and I've been an unrepentant, unsaved sinner, and I've been sitting in pews feeling guilty before. You know, some people are like the, the younger brother, and they run out. To a foreign land and they try to find all kinds of sin and they find themselves in this land of sin. I, I was an older brother. I, I ran from God into serving the Lord. Some of you may be in that same boat today rubbing two sticks together trying to make light and it just won't ever work. Some people are running from the light. Some people are running in the church from the light trying to make their own. But brothers and sisters, Jesus Christ even now is willing even though you're hiding from him, even though you no, 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 I got this. Just give me a few more minutes. I think it's getting hot. I can tell, you know. I, I think we're going to have light any minute now. Trying to manufacture your own, but the gloom is setting in on you. The wrath of God dwells on you, and you recognize, I need help. But then also, some of you are experiencing shame. You're walking in great darkness, and you're ashamed of your sin. Jesus Christ can handle both. I love Bunyan's Pilgrim's Progress. When Pilgrim finally makes his way to the cross, and there that burden he had been carried, it was almost his undoing as he climbed up the mountain of morality. It was almost his undoing as he walked through the slough of despondency. But there at the cross, his burden fell off his back. It fell into a grave, and it was never to be seen again. Your guilt and your shame you carry, brothers and sisters, until you take it to the cross until you see the joy of light. And brothers and sisters, every one of us were once destined for wrath, the Bible says. All of us are born in trespasses and sins. And so every single Christian I know has something to be joyful about today when you consider the fact that you have seen this great light that shone in the darkness of your light when it didn't have to, when he didn't have to. I hope you'll see the joy of light today. But I also hope and pray 
this morning, church, that you'll see the joy of peace. Will you see the joy of peace? Verses 3, 4, and 5. You have multiplied the nation. You have increased its joy. This is kind of the centerpiece of this passage. This reason we're talking about joy this morning. They rejoice before you as with joy at the harvest, as they are glad when they divide the spoil. For the yoke of his burden and the staff for his shoulder, the rod of his oppressor, you have broken as on the day of Midian. There's a peace that the gospel affords us, and it's a peace of justice. Now, we oftentimes think, I believe, that peace just means a tranquil feeling in our hearts. Sometimes peace doesn't always mean that. Here we see that God is talking about the fact that the yoke of the believer has been broken. The the yoke of the people of God has been broken. The staff over their shoulder has been broken. The rod of the oppressor has been broken. And brothers and sisters, I want us all to recognize that God has been good to us and He has released us from our oppressors. Now what some people want to do they want to take verses like this, and they want to shrink it down just to mean oppression in this life. Now, don't mishear me. I think every Christian ought to be opposed wholeheartedly to oppression. It's something we ought to be opposed to. And, and I think we tend to say, oh, that ain't oppression. But God tells us to be opposed to it. I, I don't think there's any question about that. And yet, what we don't want to do is become like liberation theologians or, or people who have a social gospel, Right? We don't want to make the gospel all about throwing off oppressors and all about not, not being oppressed because then we miss something the Bible teaches us, which is to have a long view and to recognize that there is peace in God's justice in knowing that God has a long, long view of history. That is, that though we may be oppressed now, we will not be oppressed forever. And it's also a recognition for the believer, not only that, but that our earthly oppressors are the least of our worries. Really and truly, our spiritual and internal oppressors are the things we ought to worry about the most. The devil, our spiritual oppressor, the devil, whom God has promised to set us free from, and the internal tyranny of our own sinful nature oppresses us. And yet Jesus says, my yoke is easy, And my burden is light. That's because of the spiritual freedom that we're given in Christ. We have peace from the oppression of sin. Now, not total peace. We still struggle with it. We still fight with sin. But peace in knowing that there is at least some hope for our sin. Have any of you ever in your life been under great conviction for sin? I hope you have. Perhaps it was before you became a believer. Perhaps it was before you became a believer and you just found yourself burdened by your sin. Can you remember that moment when Jesus took your sin away? When you met him at the cross? Can you remember the peace that you experienced in your life? But he doesn't just say that. He says this. He says, every boot, verse 5, of the tramping warrior in battle tumult and every garment rolled in blood will be burned as fuel 
for the fire. Now, obviously, we believe in just wars. It's possible for a war to be just, but at the same time, we long for a day and we long for an age when they will no longer be necessary. And here, I think Isaiah is using this picture of warfare as a a broader picture for, for all of the effects of sin, all the effects of the fall. Sin, death, sickness, war, the results of all sin will be eliminated. The Bible says it'd be fuel for the fire. Some of you this Christmas will struggle with joy because of the results of living in a fallen world. That loved one died. That child will not leave that sin. This beloved friend is sick. And perhaps it's just hard for you to just get up every day, watch the news, and be joyful. Because we live in a Genesis 3 in a fallen world. Here the Bible tells us that those days will one day be behind us. Now it may not be tomorrow unless the Lord returns. But we recognize that one day Christ gives us hope for peace. Hope for peace, not cheap peace. Nobody wants cheap peace. But no, costly peace. Peace bought by the blood of Christ. Not temporary peace, not peace that only lasts till your life ends, not peace that only lasts temporarily, not peace that you find in a self-help book, and then once that peace wears out, you got to go find another one to help yourself. No, a peace that comes from without, a peace that comes from Christ, a peace bought with the very blood of the Son of God. And that leads us to our final point this morning. I hope, brothers and sisters, that you will see the joy of eternity. I hope you'll see the joy of light. I hope you'll see the joy of peace. And I hope, finally, you'll see the joy of eternity. Somebody in this room right now, I've got no doubt about it, some one of you is going through a trial. Some one of you, at least, is going through a trial, through a tribulation. I've heard some preachers say, and it it seems to be true, I don't know if it's necessarily in the Bible, but it seems to be something that's true of life, that you're either just on, the, on this side of a trial, or going through a trial, or about to go through a trial, if you're a believer. And that certainly seems like the case. There are trials. And some of you are going through something that's bothering you and difficult, but you're, you're hesitant to call it a trial because you're humble. You say, well, it's not that bad, but brothers and sisters, if, the eye, if his eye's on the sparrow, his eye's on you. Here's what I want you to do this morning. I, I can't tell you the number of times Whitney and I have sat down and done this in difficult times, in difficult situations. We just uh, sit down and we consider the joy of eternity. I really mean this. People always want practical things. This is as practical as it gets. And some of y'all are going to be frustrated by what I'm about to tell you. Because you say, that doesn't seem practical. You're talking about heaven. There's nothing more practical There's nothing more practical. This is exactly what I want every one of you to see and to feel every day of your lives. This is is what I want you to know. Listen to what the Bible says. Why is it that we can have peace? Why is it that light can come? How is it that we can be done with sin? What is the answer for to us, the Bible says? A child is born, verse 6, to us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder And his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor. You might need somebody to talk to this morning. You might need to lay back on the couch and just spill your guts. Jesus is a wonderful 
Counselor. His name is Mighty God. We don't need just another person to help us with personity things. We need the very man who is the Son of God, who is 100% God and 100% man. Jesus' name is Mighty God, Everlasting Father. He gives us the Father and shows us the Father. He is the Prince of Peace. Peace works for him and not the other way around. And of the increase of his government and of peace, there will be no end. And on the throne of David and over his kingdom, to establish it and to uphold it with justice and with righteousness from this time forth, and the Bible says, forevermore. This is what we believe, brothers and sisters. This is what we confess, that though this life may be Horrible. In fact, for some of you, this life may be hell. If you are a believer in Jesus Christ, this is all the hell you'll ever know because there is an eternity of joy waiting for you. I want you to know. I want you to consider. Jesus Christ said, I have gone to prepare a place for you. This will not, this cannot last forever and so as Winston Churchill said if you're going through hell keep on going keep on going because Jesus is on the other side I hope this Christmas you'll find joy in Christ who has promised you an eternity of joy this is exactly what we do in trials we remind ourselves of this truth and we say how bad could it get we just work out the worst situation you know, whatever. Terrible, terrible situation. Everything's the worst. And we've yet to find a thing that we could lose in this life that Jesus wouldn't give us back and plus some in His kingdom. We've yet to find a thing that Christ couldn't heal in our hearts in the next trillion years in the kingdom of His... kingdom that He's bought with His own blood. Brothers and sisters, we must see the joy of eternity in Christ. And we must see the joy of eternity in the grace of God. I love this last sentence. The zeal of the Lord of hosts will do this. I can be a zealous guy. And sometimes my zeal gets me on a little bit out ahead of where maybe my gifts are or Maybe what was wise in a moment. I'm sometimes extra passionate about things. Let's do this. Okay, you know, everybody. My zeal gets me in trouble sometimes, but the Lord's zeal will do this. God is passionate about accomplishing His will. God is passionate about doing this for you. You cannot make your own light. You cannot make your own peace. You cannot secure your own eternity. Only the zeal of the Lord of hosts can do this. Christ is capable by His blood of saving you and keeping you. And oh, believers in Christ, my hope and my prayer for you during this Advent, during this Christmas season, is that you will make sure that the horizon of your joy is not just December 25th, but that the horizon of your joy is a trillion 
million years from now when Jesus Christ himself will wipe away the tears from your eyes. I hope you'll find joy this Christmas. I want to offer an invitation this morning. If you've never trusted Jesus for the first time, this altar is open for you. If you would turn from your sins and repentance and turn to Jesus Christ in faith, I believe God with all my heart will accept you and save you today. And second of all, you may be a Christian and you may say, Pastor, I just need you to pray that Jesus will give me strength for joy this Christmas. This altar is open for you. And finally, you may be looking for a church home. I'd love to talk with you and pray with you this morning about what it means for you to be a member here at First Baptist Church. After this prayer, I want to invite you to come. Let's pray together. Oh, Lord, our God, we thank you so much for Jesus and his gospel. And God, we thank you for the rock-solid hope it gives us for joy, for peace, for light in a dark world. And God, I pray that you would move among us this morning. If there's anyone who has business to do with you, God, we pray, Lord, that you would move in their hearts today. It's in Christ's name we pray. Amen.